0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopSype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopSype podcast. With the calendar flipping to 2023, it means there will be more players who become eligible to be traded on January 15th. So, on today's episode, our HoopSype salary cap expert and my main man, Yossi Goslin, joins me to break down some of the top players who become trade eligible on January
1: 15th. What's up, Yossi? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good getting ready for the season. It's just about to be that time of year. It gets super busy.
0: Yes, sir. Trade deadline uh, a little more than a month away right now. And with that in mind, brother, as I touched on in the open, we've got some guys that become eligible to be traded January 15th. We'll see if they end up getting moved or not, but opens up the pool a little bit more. And I think the first guy we got to touch on is a guy that's been in a lot of rumors so far this year. Um, It's Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. And, Yossi, when I talk to people, this is the, the vibe I've gotten so far. If the Chicago Bulls ultimately make Zach Levine available before the trade deadline, rival executives are keeping an eye. On several teams who could have interest in trading for him, including the New York Knicks, Los Angeles Lakers, Dallas Mavericks, and Miami Heat. Now, the Knicks have plenty of draft picks they can offer along with salaries to reach Levine's salary uh, to make the, the numbers work. Levine played at UCLA, and when he signed with Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul... The natural question people had around the league was whether they'd eventually try to get him to the Lakers. Uh, Dallas is always looking to improve its roster around MVP candidate Luka Doncic, and Levine would help take the scoring load off him. However, Dallas would have more trade flexibility with draft pick compensation after the season, which is noteworthy. Um, I've heard the the Mavericks don't want to part with a first round pick unless they think any incoming player they acquire can help them be a championship contender this season. And Miami, their best trade asset to dangle is Tyler he- Tyler Hero in a theoretical trade package. Overall, however, Chicago hasn't shown a willingness to be a seller yet. What about? a month and change to go until the trade deadline uh while they're currently on the edge of competing for a back-end play-in tournament spot right now in the east Uh, they fared well against some of the good teams in the east they've played up uh to their competition so uh, time will tell if they make a move but when you look at the landscape for the bulls uh what's your vibe and your sense
1: my feeling is, yeah, they don't want to be sellers, and I don't necessarily think they will. They were just in the lottery for four straight years up until last season, and they probably don't want to get back in there just yet. After doing all the moves they did uh, in the 2021 offseason, all these aggressive moves to be uh, competent, it's probably just too soon. I don't know if the organization wants to be in the lottery, uh, be out of the playoffs already. Um and you got to look at all these different factors that they're probably weighing. They were pretty good last year before Lonzo Ball got hurt. They're probably expecting Nikola Vucevic and Patrick Williams to continue improving. Uh, Zach Levine had a little sluggish start to the season, but uh, that's post knee surgery. Uh, all of these are probably factors they're considering in their valuations uh, ahead of the trade deadline. So, yeah, I've seen all the reports, I've seen all the uh, dialogue. Everyone is down on them and think they should rebuild. And I, personally, I I think they probably should too. I wouldn't have gone in the direction they originally did. But um, unless something changes, they're probably looking to after the record, if anything, not sell. So, yeah, I'm seeing all the reports suggesting that maybe Levine will want out in the future. I just don't see him getting moved just yet. Uh, even if the Bulls do blow it up. I think they have even less urgency to move him. Uh, Maybe instead they'll prioritize moving uh, some of the older veterans like DeRozan and Vucevic first. Uh, You know, Levine is locked up for another four years, so no rush to move him now. Maybe he gets even better, and they can get even more for him down the line. Um, And if he does eventually become available, I'll be really interested in seeing what exactly his trade value is uh, knowing that he's locked in for another four years, so he's got the security, that should be interested. Uh, it should be very int- uh, it should keep teams interested in him. Uh, but uh, you know, at the same time he'll be making an average of 43 million a year, which is quite a bit for a guy, not quite a top 20 player. So if his if uh, his trade market does ever start to sh- shape out if he ever does become a legitimate trade candidate, I, I'll be just. I'll be very interested to see what the Bulls can get.
0: When I look at the Bulls from their perspective, I think a couple things. One, if you do move Levine, I think teams around the league would also wonder. Hmm. You know, this guy's had some injuries. Are they maybe looking to get off him and and get just assets back if they ended up putting him out there? Regarding Vucevic, who you touched on, uh, you know, Orlando certainly looks like. They got the better end of that deal thus far. Uh, Wendell Carter has evolved his game. He's on a very cheap contract right now uh, looking ahead, uh, especially with the cap going up. And I I think for Vucevic, it's going to be interesting to see if you make all those moves and then you don't retain him this offseason, the optics of that. Uh, Patrick Williams, another guy that you touched on as well. Uh, Pat Williams they've been waiting for this guy to break out. They've had all the belief in him, but it hasn't happened yet. And we see this a lot of times in the NBA. And and, and the one guy I always go back to is like when Cleveland had JJ Hickson years ago and they thought he was going to be the next big thing. And he didn't, and they could have moved him for, you know, Amari Stoudemire With, with Chicago and Pat Williams. It's like, I'm sure there were other moves on the table that they could have traded him with, but they never did. Um, so I don't know. Time will tell there. I think the Lonzo ball injury clearly um, has hurt them because he was another defender on the perimeter that they had and a guy that balanced out that that offense at the point guard position. Um, but who knows what's going to go on with him as the rest of the year unfolds. I mean, we touched, obviously, on the Bulls. And I think another team, Yossi, that kind of sticks out to me on that fringe kind of play-in tournament area is – is the Washington Wizards. And, and with that in mind, Bradley Beal uh, technically becomes eligible to be traded after January 15th as well. And while some around the league speculated that Bradley Beal could be flipped down the line after signing his max contract, uh, Wizards management has planned to build around Beal and wants to retain Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma long term if they opt out for unrestricted free agency. And ideally find a fourth core player alongside their trio to build around and contend in the East. Um, as I had reported before the start of the new year, Kuzma is considered a big part of the future for the Wizards, according to a league source who spoke with Hoops Hype. And the Wizards believe they're a more talented team than their record has shown to this point. Uh, Rui Hachimura has played well of late as of this podcast recording, and it's interesting. You wonder if that report about the talks for Jay Crowder maybe lit a fire under him. Um, Internally, Washington has always felt if Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, or another one of their young guys like Denny Advia could take that next step and be the fourth guy, um, that they would welcome that. Time will tell if if Rui's ultimately going to end up being that guy or not, but um, I, I don't think Beal's going anywhere right now. Um, from my sense, but curious your thoughts on the outlook of a uh, Washington at this point. They're another team that people, you know, have written about elsewhere. That you know, maybe they should look at kind of a, a rebuild. Um, what's your thought on on the landscape for Washington right now?
1: Yeah, you know, like the Bulls, I would think that they're probably going to remain buyers while everyone else thinks they should be sellers. Ah, uh, they just went on a nice little run. I think it was a five-game winning winning streak up until their loss the other night to the Bucks. So they could be looking at that and seeing and thinking uh, along the lines of what you're saying that the team is probably a lot better than uh, the way they've been playing for most of the season, and that they they have something here. And if anything, they want to add to their trio. Um, you mentioned Kuzma Porzingis have got player options. They're probably going to want to bring them back this off season and they've got some, some decent salaries they can try to put together to get another guy that a fourth core player, whoever that may be. Um, and you mentioned Rui, he's a guy who privately I've been saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. He's got to start to do something. And it seems like he read our our messages he started going pretty crazy these past few weeks. So I'll be interesting to see how he fits into their future. Um, and when uh as far as Beal, um, you know, so the Wizards last year, even if things continue to go down, they'll probably still remain sellers last year when they uh were out of the playoff mix, or they were kind of far from it, but maybe. It just seemed very unlikely. They didn't end up making the playoffs, but after Bradley Beal suffered his wrist injury and was out for the year, that was right before the trade deadline, and they still went ahead and traded for Chris, Kristaps Porzingis. So, uh, to me, it feels like they'll probably be. That that shows to me that they're gonna be continuing to try to upgrade the team, uh, no matter what happens, uh, unless you know, man, unless the only other thing the only other reason i would see Beale getting on the market would be if he ever presses the issue and asks out something he probably could have done a while ago uh never did um but until then everyone Beale will just be uh another guy that everyone continues to keep their eyes on now that he finally got his max contract uh like levine i'll be very interested in seeing what that his trade value would be if he ever does become available uh, especially with that no-trade clause, he'll have a lot of say in wherever his new team would be. But as far as right now, I just would expect the Wizards to try to to uh, add on to their core, not sell.
0: Yeah, you touched on the no-trade clause for Bradley Beal. I mean, the only thing he didn't get in his max contract deal with the Wizards was ownership stake in the Washington Nationals and the Washington Capitals at that point. Um, you know, a remarkable deal for him. Um, you know, we've touched on a couple of teams that have underwhelmed. Another one that kind of comes to mind thus far is the Phoenix Suns. Um, And you got DeAndre Ayton, who becomes eligible to be traded after uh, January 15th. And before the season, DeAndre Ayton appeared less than thrilled when asked about finally getting the max deal with the Suns after they matched the offer sheet from the Pacers and being in trade rumors in the offseason for Kevin Durant. Uh, that said, I, I don't see Phoenix moving Aiden unless they can get an elite star back along the lines of Durant, uh, which I don't see out there right now. Obviously, they would have done it as part of a blockbuster trade for Durant when he was available in the offseason. And that also likely would have included Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson at the time uh, to get it done. At this point, uh, Phoenix's focus is moving Jay Crowder for another forward and those trade talks could also include Landry Shamit or Dario Saric, uh, being included as well to make salaries work in the trade talks. I've, I've touched on a little bit about Landry Shamit, uh, in our previous NBA notebooks, uh, about him being involved in some of the trade talks, uh, particularly with uh, the Atlanta Hawks. So time will tell there on that, but, um, I'm I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are not not only just on Aiden, but kind of where the Suns are at right now, given everything, and and you know Robert Sarver's
1: uh, sale as well. So as far as Aiden, I agree uh, with what you put out with what you just said. That um, yeah, I don't see, he would not be made available unless they can get a an All Star uh, throughout the off I kept my eyes on the possibility of the Suns potentially sign and trading Aiden to a max contract and then using that to help match salaries for Kevin Durant. Uh, when Durant was, uh, he first asked out and was rumored to, uh, be interested in the Suns. Obviously that didn't pan out. And, uh, as of now, there doesn't seem to be any clear all-star available where Aiden would be needed to match salaries. Uh and keep in mind that he's, um, He's got a, a not veto rights, but he has a say in where he gets traded this season since his uh, offer sheet got matched by the Suns and cannot get traded to the Pacers. So, a little bit of complications there, anyways, uh, as far as trading him this year. But uh, they're a team that they have all their first round picks available. Uh, they've got a couple other guys you mentioned, like Bridges and Cam Johnson. If a uh, star does become available, Ah, uh, they've got the means to get it done. And I would imagine Aiden in his max contract would be a major uh, salary filler to get that done. And uh, yeah, the, I think the priority will be for the Suns just shifting some of their bench players around for different ones. after their really hot starts of the season, they've just kind con- they're getting much closer to five hundred. Ah, uh, now Booker being out. going to be a tough stretch for them until he gets back he's probably going to be out till around the trade deadline and jay crowder is already out cam johnson's already out um they're pretty short-handed and i guess it's it's still a little surprising that that jay crowder hasn't been moved yet they're still working on that uh they just they got to get some bodies in there so um I, I just wonder where the urgency is. I figured they would have done something like this week. Um, so that's, that's where they're at right now. I think they're, they're not really going to be looking at any big names. Just They just got to get some, get healthier right now. They got to get their rotation filled. And so they could tread the next month or so without Booker. It's probably where they're at right now. Um, another thing, complicating trades. Uh, Brian Windhorst mentioned how Robert Sarver still has a say in trades. Uh, because the sale to Matt Ispia isn't likely to get finalized until after the trade deadline. So, yeah, it's just safe to say they're not going to be making any major huge trades beyond whatever they end up doing with uh, Crowder and potentially some other bench players.
0: You know, the whole Jay Crowder situation, I feel like, has been mismanaged a little bit um, on both sides. Like, if you're Jay Crowder, you could have been playing starter minutes and been the starter, ironically, once Cam Johnson you know, was out. Um, and I think to the rest of the league, you look at that and you go, is this a guy that's going to be a team player? I understand how he felt, um, you know, because he lost his starting spot. But at the same time, you you were playing on a championship contender. And if, if a trade wasn't going to get done to miss, you know, so much time thus far, I, I don't think it's uh, certainly something ideally you want going in a contract year as well. And for the Suns, you haven't traded a guy and you have a roster spot that's just eating away there and you're getting nothing out of it when Cam Johnson's out and you need bodies, as you touched on. And look, we, we touched on Ayton, he's a center. There's another center that technically becomes trade eligible on January 15th. Uh, it's Brooklyn Nets center, Nick Claxton. And After signing a two-year, $17.3 million deal with Brooklyn, uh, Nick Claxton has been Brooklyn's defensive anchor. The guy is averaging 2.5 blocks and leads the NBA in field goal and effective field goal percentage at 74.3%. In the past, teams like Toronto have liked Claxton, and the Nets had an offer for a first round pick for Claxton last year that was protected, uh, but they turned it down. Overall, I I don't see him being moved at this point unless somehow there's a a high, a very high end starter or an all-star caliber guy that becomes available. But uh, he's, he's been terrific for them and, and his development uh, is, is right on track where he should be. He's going to be 24 later this year. And uh, the trajectory is certainly pointing up for Nick Claxton as he fills out his body uh, he's become a really good shot blocker and a great uh, lob thread on the pick and roll for Brooklyn. He doesn't need the ball brings all the
1: intangibles. They need to balance out the roster with Kyrie and KD In Brooklyn's recent run. There's been a lot of feel good stories like the emergence of Watanabe, the return of TJ Warren, but for the reasons you just explained, Claxton to me is a major reason. This has all been possible. Um, Had he been more or less the same guy was the last few seasons maybe they look to deal him uh may- there might be some more urgency to upgrade the roster some more but i think he's a keeper now uh he's on a value contract which is great for the nets now given their luxury tax situation uh they're, if anything they're probably hoping they gave him a longer deal since uh, he's going to be due for a raise as early as 2024 when his contract expires um, and they won't be able to extend them before then but just a Really, really vital development for the Nets. I don't think they'd be close to uh, where they are right now without this emergence.
0: I mean, he's on a great contract. And you can also make the case for Oklahoma City Thunder swingman Lou Dort in in that same light. Um, Oklahoma City loves Lou Dort's contract looking ahead long term. Uh, They view him as one of the elite on-ball defenders in the game and a part of the team's future with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, even though technically Lou Dort becomes trade-eligible on uh, January 15th.
1: I don't see him leaving uh, at this point uh, looking ahead. I don't see it either. I love his contract. I love his fit with SGA and an OKC. Um, an inter- interesting just situation, OKC's in heading into the trade deadline where everyone's considering them considering them sellers because they're not expected to be in the playoffs but at the same time they don't really have any veterans to sell uh and weirdly enough Dort might fit that description the most which is crazy because he's only in his fourth season so I can see them taking on a bit of more bad money this trade deadline they've got some trade exceptions they can uh facilitate that with but uh, that seems just about it because uh, every, everyone else on their roster seems to have a purpose being there. You know,
0: we've we've all talked about like a bunch of guys that we think it might be unlikely that they move. OK, but so, so I'm sure listeners are like, well, who who do you think can get moved at this point? Well, one to no more. Got a couple guys in mind coming up. I think you got to look, first of all, at Miami. Uh, they've got two guys that are eligible to be traded after January 15th. Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Dedman. Now, Miami is a team rival. Executives are keeping an eye on to make a move, given the team's underwhelming start to the season. Uh, The team never replaced the loss of P.J. Tucker, but they have tradable contracts in Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Dedman that they can include in trade talks. Um, I'm not saying these guys are going to light up the trade market, but they're movable contracts when I look at them.
1: Yeah, if there's a team that I'm, I feel pretty good will do something in this traded line. I think it's the Heat. And especially because a lot of uh, things open up for them starting on January 15th, uh, including uh, Oladipo, like you mentioned. Definitely a very logical trade candidate, but uh, he does have veto rights over any trade this season since he re signed with the Heat on a one plus one. Um, so he, he just came back last month he's still working towards getting back the form so any trade that he would sign off on you'd, you'd want to you know it'd have to put him in a really good situation um the only thing is that if he's traded he loses his bird rights which at the moment doesn't seem too valuable uh since you know if he became a free agent right now he, he's probably not going to get that much more than his player option map for next season but his bird rights could still be very valuable for him, especially since uh Miami was the place he he's ultimately been wanting to play for. And uh so I, I just would imagine there's a good likelihood that he's he remains in Miami past the deadline to where he wants to be and just let things out, uh let things play out from there. Uh and then the other guy, Dwayne Dedman, uh he on the other hand, he, he can be traded no problems. Uh his contract structure just feels to me like it was made for him to be traded Um, 4.7 million this year, which is well above the minimum decent chunk of salary filler and trades. Uh, Then next year, his uh, 4.3 million is completely non-guaranteed. So it effectively makes him a walking trade exception. Um, So if the heat have a good opportunity to upgrade the roster, uh, maybe trade for pretty, moderately more expensive guy and they need a little extra matching salary that's where denman could come in and
0: i would say keeping it in the florida region I think you got to look at mo bomba too with orlando um when the magic signed mo bomba to a two-year deal which included a non-guaranteed second season several people around the league viewed him as a potential trade ship to be flipped later uh, once Orlando would eventually have to consolidate its roster. He's been a good backup center for Orlando this season. With that said, though, I don't see the Magic getting a first round pick for him at this time. But I certainly see them uh, gauging the market and doing due diligence on him to see what his value is. Because, you know, Wendell Carter is more their future. Paolo Banquero. Um in the front court and, and they've got ball ball as well. Who's been starting for them this year.
1: Right. Like Deadman, uh bomba's deal structured in a way that makes him super tradable. And you mentioned how loaded the ma- magic are loaded with big men. Uh, Mo Wagner as well. He's been getting, he seems to be getting prioritized recently over Bamba and he, but he's, 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 He's too good to be in this role. I think he'd be better utilized on a different team that needs a center. Um, at the same time, no rush for the Magic to trade him. They have a lot of cap flexibility. They can have cap space if they want next season, and but and even still keep him in that scenario. Um, so, and then given how great that contract is, uh, completely non guaranteed, ten point three million for next year. Uh, I think they would probably have to get a really good offer for them to consider moving him now. And you mentioned that you don't necessarily see them getting a first round pick for him. I would have to agree. Uh, Just doesn't seem like a lot of uh, a lot of big appetite for teams out there for centers right now or to give up first round picks. Uh, But. Uh, unless it's from a team like the Knicks or Rockets who have extra first round picks laying around and they offer one of the worst w- ones, then I could see that happening. But so, so yeah, because of that, uh, I, w- I would tend to agree. Yeah, they probably wouldn't get that first, in which case maybe he finishes out the season in Orlando.
0: I guess Chicago didn't get that memo when they traded for Vucevic. Oh, Um, you look to, I look at two other guys that are trade eligible on January 15th. Um on our list before we head on out here. And I'll start with uh, Chris Boucher from Toronto. Now, there's a belief from some around the league that Toronto will be more active in trade talks around mid-January with the team on the edge of the play-in tournament. Now, Chris Boucher has been a good backup big man, and he turns 30 this month. If Toronto decides to make a blockbuster trade, his descending contract could be included to make salaries match. I I think that's something to keep an eye on there. Uh, If you're looking at the Toronto Raptors, they've got to make some type of move. This has been an underwhelming season for them. And I feel like they need to get at some point a true big, because I feel like this uh, six foot eight, nine switch everything front court has kind of plateaued a little bit here.
1: Yeah. At some point you just need to have enough shooting to make this sustainable. Yeah. I agree. The Raptors look like they'll need to sort things out with their core at some point, especially because most of their top players, uh, Siakam, Van uh, and Nobi Gary Trent, they're all going to be due for raises very soon. Some this coming offseason, some the following. So when those decisions come, eventually that's could trickle down to some of their role players like Boucher he's gonna make around uh he's, he's making around 12 million uh, on average each year uh so yeah that eventually those raises could trickle down to the, the role players but uh no rush right now in my opinion those decisions could probably be made later last guy I think
0: that's worthy is is noteworthy I should say is Cody Martin on the Charlotte Hornets now, Charlotte likes Cody Martin, but if they rebuild, nothing should be off the table. Uh, Several teams around the NBA like Martin, who is going to be paid around the low end of the mid-level exception for the next several years. I don't see Charlotte moving him at this time, given his contract value and cultural fit. Uh, There are, uh, unless a rival team makes an aggressive push, I think... A guy like Cody Martin would be a great fit on a playoff team, uh, given his shooting ability and just as a locker room fit for a lot of teams. But I'm curious your thoughts on them and, you know, if they can be a team to keep an eye on because they've got guys at the end of their contracts and Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley that I also think could help teams that are uh, playoff caliber guys.
1: Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on the Hornets. I think they're definitely going to be sellers uh, they'll probably be looking to move some of their veteran guys like uh, Mason Plumlee, Kelly Oubre, um, you know, some of the ones on expiring contracts. Uh, but Cody Martin, definitely a guy who can help out some competitive teams, but he also fits Charlotte's timeline. Uh, as you mentioned, he's on a great contract, making around $8, eight million a year, and the fourth year is non-guaranteed. Just ec- excellent contract. So for Charlotte, you know, he doesn't really impact their their cap situation in a big way. So they probably like they probably have to get a really good offer to consider moving him now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you'll see for for all those guys that that pretty much wraps it up as far as the trade eligible guys for January 15th that are notable. I appreciate you joining me, helping it break it down, man. We, we still got another month plus. Before the trade deadline, and I know you and I will both be going back and forth, keeping tabs on a lot of these guys out there. At a certain point, something's got to bend and break here
1: around the league. Yeah, should be coming soon. Uh, now teams are pushing the, the pushing their trades like way, way closer to the deadline. So uh, last year had a couple of trades in the first week of January. Uh, so it'll be seen. Still, we'll have to see if that happens, but. That's it. There's got to be some action soon.
0: I agree, brother. Well, thanks for joining me, Yossi. And I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.